Eamon Farron has returned to our screens as one of the stars of The Witcher, a very special show on Netflix, which has returned for its third season. Now, Eamon sat down with us a little over a year ago to talk about his mum. And in fact, was my first ever podcast episode. It was such a touching, moving, a really beautiful conversation. And to commemorate Eamon's return to the screen, we've decided to republish in this special edition. Now, um, Eamon's mum, Roslyn, um, was such a beautiful human being. And Eamon talks about how she shaped the actor he's become. She actually fought off death, um, true story, to see him collect his first television award. And um, although she's now unfortunately passed, Eamon shares the beautiful memories of his beautiful mother, including how he found the book of Eamon after she died. Enjoy. My Mum Made Me, the show about the wonderful and sometimes the weird ways in which our mums make us who we are today. Hi, it's Paul here. I really hope you're enjoying the show and I'm going to ask you a favour if you are. Please do follow us. If you do, you'll get to hear all of the episodes first and of course it helps with my self-esteem. I'm only joking. Don't forget to rate us. We're currently on 4.9 stars, which is really exciting and every rating makes my mum, Teresa, laugh just a little bit more. Did you get my mum's um, little voice note? I did. Right, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Um, so you're doing night shoots? Well, we have been doing, I mean... It's yeah, a night shoot it, for me is um, I always I always love the idea of a night shoot because it's that it's the sleepover thing from when you're like young. It's like you get to work from like six p.m. until six yeah. a.m. and that sounds really exciting. Yeah, um, and it is for about the first six hours, but then around the two a.m. I just sort of go to water. So you crash, and it's always like the fight scene or the big emotional scene at the end of the night when when all the crew's standing around sort of wanting to go home, you want to go home, yeah. it won't happen, your body's tired, and then you just feel like, oh. But it isn't, it isn't 2 a.m. when most people get into a fight. Like, if you went on a night out, I would really pissed. Well, I mean, I've never been in a fight. I don't laugh. <laughs> I've never started one. I finished them. Um, I guess that's true. I mean, like, back in the days on the Gold Coast at the Surface Beer Garden, it sort of turned yeah. into, like, the start of the night was all joy and stuff, and then one person says something around the 2.55, and then by 2.10, it's yeah, on. It's, 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 it's literally on. Yeah. It's literally on. Um, so you grew up in Australia. I did. I grew up. I was born in North Queensland, and then uh, after my parents' divorce, um, I spent a, lot, a bit of time in North Queensland as a kid, but when my parents got divorced, we moved down to the Gold Coast, uh, and I, I did all my schooling and stuff there with mum and my brother. And, and for those people that are less familiar about Australian geography... How do they? I, well, exactly. <laughs> like, if you had to sort of pitch the Gold Coast as like a British regional town... I don't know. I mean, I think the Gold Coast... I haven't been to enough regional towns, I guess, but I, I, off the top of my head, I would say that it wants to be a deal, but it really is sort of the Geordie Shore. You know, <laughs> I think there's elements of both. It's a really beautiful, I mean, I love the Gold Coast because it's sort of a mashup of like light and darkness and like horror and kind of beauty and all this stuff. Or Like there's a lot, there's a long history of underworld. There's a long history of like uh, well, like mafia gangsters. Well, I mean, you know, the Australian. But I mean, like, I think the Gold Coast for a long time was known as where people go to sort of retire or do their shady dealings. Or, I mean, we used to have this. It's a brilliant place where we had this thing called a meter maid, where the council would employ. I think the council would employ them. I'm pretty sure, but there were these women that walked around 
beautiful women in like uh, gold bikinis feeding with sashes saying meter maids and they would just walk along the beach feeding everyone's meter no. just so everyone would stay at the beach and usually I think it was just like a, a chance for dads to get a photo with these chicks and stuff but it was a real destination and it's a beautiful place but it's also got a mess of stuff as well so yeah. I kind of love it it started off as a real beach town but now yeah. it's sort of it's uh, morphed into this hybrid city, but once it's clinging onto its beachside vibe, but it's this hybrid city. So, so it's like a Newcastle-Essex hybrid base. Uh, yeah, yeah, and Vienna. Okay, yeah. well, we'll have to take you. Yeah, um, it's a threat. So you moved there with your parents, or you moved there after just your mum? Yeah. Just, just your mum. And what's tell? What's your mum's name? My mum's name was Rosalind uh, Cecilia O'Brien. Rosalind Cecilia O'Brien. Yeah, and. Can you paint us like a mental picture of how you remember her sort of like visually, like what does she look like? I was thinking about this this morning. I, I think my memory always goes to a very specific time and it's sort of around the mid-90s and she had this uh, big lock of hair, curly dark hair with these big brown eyes and a beautiful smile and really beautiful olive skin that would tan in the sun. And I still, I have that kind of skin now where yeah. as soon as it reminds me a lot of her, as soon as we hit the sun, we sort of, we get this, this whole olive hue comes over us. And she was, she was a really beautiful woman that, um, that I think her smile was the biggest thing that I remember, but she, yeah, she had big eyes, lots of brown locks. And that was sort of her face. It's just sort of like a big, you, you've painted such like a vivid picture. She sounds like she she's seared an impression in kind of like everyone she she met oh yeah of course i think her energy was i mean my mum was uh, like all the great people was a mashup of of contradictions and sort of and and brightness and also like a underlying sort of you know bubbling of darkness and stuff and i think but she loved to be with people and i think she loved she loved stories and she loved laughing and she loved the party and she i think she was happiest when she was uh I remember we used to, uh, her happy place, I think, when we were younger was always going to one of her friend's houses or they would come to our house and all the kids were in the pool. The adults were, uh, you know, about 20 meters away, just out of earshot or maybe just in earshot. And uh, they would be sitting around with some booze and some lunch and they would just be talking shit. Fun. <laughs> it was a really great way to sort of grow up. I think that was her happy place to sort of be with her friends and her family um, or the selected family that were on the Gold Coast. At the was time. she the kind of like, was she, was she, was she the raconteur or was she kind of like the social? She was the, yeah, center? she was, uh, I think she, she, she had a bit of raconteur in her, but I think she really, she was the provoker. Like she would remind people of stories and she would ask about, she would provoke people into her favorite stories. Yeah. There were lots of stories that were told over and over again, but, uh, yeah, she, she didn't, she sometimes led stories, but I think she was, she was a really good audience as well. So she, so, okay, but I'm kind of interested in um, the kind of repeated story. Because everyone's parents has that kind of like go-to, oh my God, do you remember when? Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. it like that? It was. I mean, there was no designated stories, but I think it was more about, uh, I think she, she was very, I think she clung on to nostalgia a lot. So it was lots of like stories about the the girl's trip when this happened or you know it was it, she was a very she was so socially lubricating all the stories and so it wasn't after a specific punchline or anything it was more about now that i think about it it was a great she was a great way of bringing people together around that sort of situation where she would she would encourage the sort of sharing of stories and yeah. sort of laughter and stuff and i think that gave her a lot of energy 
So if you, like I, I'm not, I'm not a huge believer in those sort of like personality tests and types, mm-hmm. but sort of thinking a bit like that, she sounds a little bit like the raconteur and the diplomat. Like mm-hmm. was she was she the sort of person that would bring people together and sort of resolve stuff, or was it all about like the crack basically? I think it was a, I think a combination. I think she was the classic introvert slash ex- extrovert, and it depended what day you got her on. But I, I definitely think it was about the crack. Uh, I think the crack meant that it was going well. You know, I think uh, there was always a survival or or, or, or a, um, a saving in a story, or uh, you know, like it was there was in any sort of awkward moment or, or tension, she not necessarily wanted encourage everyone to speak to the issue, but it was more about uh, a, a convivial vibe that would sort of sail on through. And you mentioned that um, your mom was both a great sort of. Mm. raconteur presenter but also great audience as well mm. um what do you mean by that and and how do you feel like given what you do and and your sort of um artistic and kind of creative uh choices as like a young adult and, mm. and now like how is she an audience for you as well i think my mum was a great audience for me in the sense that she put up with me because i think uh i was definitely the there was a lot of eye rolling in a playful, loving way. There was always an eye roll when I started on my stories, on my dances, on my you know jokes. Or were, were you a dramatic child? I think. I mean, it depends who you talk to. <laughs> a trick of memory. I think. It, it, I think it wasn't so much dramatic. It was more. I think a show off got got bandied about. But on the Gold Coast in those days, I think a show off was anyone. And in Australia, sometimes in general, with the tall poppy syndrome sort of vibe, I think a show off was just someone that. Uh, wanted to wants to be seen and heard maybe right. a little bit too much right um so i think she really enjoyed she she really saw my uh my in love of stories and 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 performing but it wasn't an active encouragement of it i think that was sort of like she put up with it a little bit uh she never she was never a stage kind of mum i mean i i remember she enabled me to to follow whatever i wanted to do which is a great gift but it was never a, a stage mum in the sense of like uh, she had my younger brother to look after. She was a school teacher as well. She had a lot going on. Yeah. So it wasn't, uh, it was something, it was a hobby that I did. I think there was an element sometimes of, of maybe not fear, but trepidation in someone that wanted to become an actor because from the very early age, I was very clear about becoming an actor. Yeah. Um, why? I mean, I think about it a lot, I guess the easy answer and the pat answer is because I love stories and I love people and I love the chaos of people and I love uh, how the mess of sort of living. And I think that is all true. Mm. But I think at that age, it was more about um, maybe finding out who I was in response to the things I was seeing. So I, I loved movies and television. Uh, she always told me that, one of my favorite films growing up was The Wizard of Oz when I was very young. I used to watch it. And my poor brother probably had to put up with this too. <laughs> he demanded to watch The Wizard of Oz over and over again. Yeah. But every time I would watch it, I would announce that this time I'm going to be watching the very specific track of yeah, yeah. The Lion or or The Tin Man. And this time I'm going to be watching Toto. So Who I was, did you most connect with? I don't think... I don't think I would... I think I, I think the reason why I wanted to become an actor is because I didn't necessarily connect 
wholly and fully with one, I could see myself and the possibilities and the interest in everyone's different sort of vibes. So I think it was more a collection of the lives instead of just one. Was was part of the... um your observations of what you were seeing on the screen and therefore the kind of the choices that you were making as like a teenager and a young Mm. adult was part of that informed do you think by wanting to make your mum proud wanting to sort of grab her attention you know because moms are very busy parents are very busy always was there an element of that i think no i i don't think so i i don't think it was why say that i think it became that, but I think at the beginning it was just something that I wanted to do and it was very clear in me. It was a very strong drive in me. And so at the beginning, it was not about making her proud, but by the, by what, once it became something that I was really serious about, i.e. going to drama school and wanting to be a theater actor and then being in film and television, then it became a drive of wanting to make her proud. But also I think there is always in people, in actors, a lot of actors, um, a drive to sort of see if they can make it work because it is a vocation like many that is very hard to sort of sustain and to be successful in whatever that definition of success is. And I think it became about making her proud. And she, she used to play this game of, of, she would never tell me that she's proud of me. Mm. Um, and so I think that in that sense of, you know, like she never saw anything that, um, she she would stop me and sort of say to me, I'm so proud of you. That wasn't part of our dialogue, but I think it became a drive in me to sort of show her that uh, I had it in me to sort of play many different people as well, I so think. W- when you say she she would never explicitly say, oh, oh babe, son, whatever her kind of pet name was for you, yeah. I'm super proud of you. Like, how, how, did she, how did she show that? And how did you receive it? I mean, in all honesty, I think, it was never, I never really confronted that very question until after her death, really. Mm-hmm. I, I think we came to a really wonderful place where um, I remember uh, she, she, I have many different stories about when she came and saw me on stage, uh, which she always, I, and I love this deeply, she always would never want me to feel too big for my boots. And so there was always something that, um, she didn't really believe or she didn't really get or anything like that. And that always kept me, it sort of tickled me a little bit, but it also drove me. But I think for me, the the one moment that was really beautiful was that I did, I did a show in Australia called Colotta and I was up for an award mm. and she was in hospital at the time. And, um, uh, she said to me, it was going to be broadcast on television. And she asked me when it was, and I told her when it was, and the night happened and, uh, I, I, I won the award and the next day she called me and, and, and I said, did you watch mum? And she went, yeah, I sat up all night watching that fucking thing and you weren't even on. So the, the broadcast had completely cut out my award. And she said, so did you win? And I said, yeah, I, I won. And she went, oh, thank Christ. <laughs> and then, and then one of the most beautiful things she said to me was after that, she said, oh good, well now I can go. And, and she died a few days later. And, it, but, and I know that that story sounds very heavy. But for me, I think it was that moment that we were both sort of driving towards because she, uh, she by the end of her life, she was in that stage. And she, uh, I think for her, that was a real, uh, real world sort of acknowledgement of where I was and stuff. So it was really beautiful. That's uh, Thank you for sharing that. I mean, it, that is, 
I'm sort of like lost for words and, and, and can almost sort of, you know, feel it here. Mm. Um, it's such a beautiful story and it's such a beautiful moment. And and I guess sort of listening to it, I mean, the thing which I, I'm sort of, you know, taking away or kind of uh, hearing a little bit is, you know, she she almost sort of felt like that was maybe her kind of like life's work. Like you're, it's just an award but it was the sort of perhaps representation or the culmination of all that she'd put into you as a human being, as a, as, you know, as an actor, as, as her son. Right. I think, yeah, yes. I think there's an element of that. I think that she would be uh, very quick to point out that that was not her life's work. Um, <laughs> I think, she, I think, I think there are, I think that was within her there, but I also think there was a sense of relief in the sense of, I oh I, I think now a lot about how it must have been for to be living on the Gold Coast, raising two boys as a single parent, one that is very hell bent on this sort of career and is, uh, you know, going to drama school and not make like had a life in the theatre and not making a lot of money. And I think there was an element more so of of relief that uh, maybe this is something that could be yeah. sustained and yeah. stuff. I think it's also a world that she didn't really understand a lot. I think it was. Um, she enjoyed it, and there, but there were lots of elements that she couldn't understand, which I think is is uh, is a common thing. I mean, it's not a meritocracy, and um, it's this luck involved, and uh, I think all those elements made her nervous. But I think there was a great bravery in the way that she lived her life with vulnerability, and I think that the the main thing I take away from her. It, when I think about the way she looked at my career for what whatever that was, was that I think that she was proud that I lived very vulnerable, mm. vulnerably within that career. Mm. I think that she would have appreciated that a lot. And, and it also sounds like, from what you were saying, you know, single mother, single parent, Ooh. you know, raising two kids, raising any number of kids is, is difficult with any number of parents, right? Ooh. She, in a way, lived her vulnerability and you were talking about living your vulnerability and and... Do you is is that like a sort of a, a connection between you two? Like, I suppose what I'm trying to get at is is how much of how much of her is sort of in in you and and the man you've become. Oh, so much. I mean, I think that that's a real big key of it. I think that she lived ferociously, but also it's one thing I I really learned from her. I think is that she lived very ferociously, very loyally to her her friends and family and to us, but. And that and that took a lot of vulnerability, mm. and and sometimes that vulnerability got the best of her, as it always does with sometimes does with all of us. And I think that she, yeah, she taught me to how important it is and hard it is to live life with vulnerability. And mm. I think that I mean I take her with me in every job that I do, but also within my life now. It, it, it I was very my career really defined. Uh, my own sense of self for a very long time, especially in my late teens and early 20s. And um, I think I wasn't so much aware of that, the importance of that vulnerability then, but I can definitely see now how, and when I reflect on how she lived, I think that's a, it's a key element in how I connect with people now, with people in my life and with the characters that and I it, play. And it sounds like it's made you, obviously, it's sort of hard to talk about this, I'm sure, but like stronger as a person, but you're able to bring so much of that into you as a professional as well. You as, uh, you know, a, a communicator, an actor, a creative. Yeah, sure. I, I, that's definitely true. I think the characters that I 
connect the most with are or have always been characters that um, are in turmoil or have a breaking point and uh, and and the nature of story is that we see that breaking point and I think they're the they're the characters that I love to play and that was definitely my mother you know she she definitely had breaking points and she and she moved through those a lot and witnessing that at the time as a teenager obviously was um not the same as I uh, lived the lived experience of it was different to what I think about it now but it, it, I think it's one of the strongest things you can mm-hmm. do and especially as a mother I think there is so much uh there is so much that goes into being present and to being yourself and authentic, your, your self-actualized authentic self as a person in general, but to be a mother and try and instill that in your children, mm. there's no right way to do it. Mm. But I think for my mum, she absolutely gave that to me in just the way that she, for all her, her incredible, uh, traits and all sometimes her flaws, it was sort of that authenticity of just being herself was kind of the hardest thing to do. I, I would, I absolutely love to meet her from everything that you described. Yeah, she's a crack. Well, she was a crack. How, how do you think she would respond to like your friends? That or like, let's just use me as an example, not to make it about me. It's all about you. But like, I think we're here because of you. <laughs> let's make it about you. Like, how would she respond? Like, would she, I'd love to meet her. Would she love to meet me? Um, yeah, I think I think that she would get a real kick out of the fact that I have friends from many different corners yeah. of the world now. And I think obviously, I mean, you as a person, knowing you. Uh, I think that you have such a wonderful way of being with people, and I think that she uh, loved those sort of people. I think yeah. that, and 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 I think that, yeah, of course, she would get a kick out of all the people that are, uh, have been lucky enough to be in my life. That sounded really conceited. I meant that I've been lucky. <laughs> like, the life. privilege is all yours. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, <laughs> that's a wrap. <laughs> um, no, she, it sounds like she would definitely balk at this question and. She, you know, if she were here, she'd probably sort of give me a little slap on the wrist, I'm sure. But like, she would have, this is a nightmare. She'd never be. Here. Oh, because she wouldn't, she'd like, she would just be sort of like, she'd, she'd write you a letter afterwards or write you an email asking about it. But um, who, who would play her in a biopic of your life or hers? Um, this is such a question that I always think about because, and I know the answer, it's, um, it's Judy Davis. And she's an actress from Australia. Do you know Judy Davis? Do you know what? I'm going to say yes, but the truth is no. No. Well, she's look. Go Google. She's amazing. She's an incredible actress. She's an Australian actress that um, really, for me, uh, holds the fragility and strength of what it is to be alive and a woman and uh, in the world. And I think that she would be the ultimate person because there's a there's a there's an attack to her. Yeah. There's a great sense of humour. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I've never met Judy Davis, but in all her character work that I've seen, it's just, there's a force there that can't be reckoned with. Yeah. And I think that's important in someone that would play her. How do you think Judy Davis would react to like being well, asked? Depends what the script's like. Yeah. It all I starts with so. the script. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it starts on the page. Fair enough. Well, I betray my ignorance here. Like, no, I think like, a lot of people would like Judy Davis to play their mum, to be fair. fair yeah. <laughs> do you know what, like, it's, it's really funny, sort of like, if I ask people that, question at a party mm. guess what most people say guess who most people say oh no don't do i don't know um miriam margulies oh god that is such a good answer that's who i would think and miriam margulies would be fantastic i think she'd actually be great to play my mom but most people say oh well, um, sorry you meant what they would yeah, yeah oh, their own mom. no 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 but like still 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 like most people say meryl street, meryl street exactly yeah. but you know meryl street would play batman and still get away with it right 
Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, you watch Meryl Streep do anything. There's nothing. I mean, Donald Trump doesn't like Meryl Streep. What did he say? Remember that tweet that he wrote? Uh, he he tweeted out that she's an overrated actress or whatever. When she said something about, it. I mean, it was hilarious. I mean, obviously everyone would like Meryl Streep to, to play. I mean, Meryl Streep could play me, and I'd be happy. But I think, um, and this is nothing against Meryl Streep, but there is such a grit. Yeah. and mess to what Judy Davis does in her work that I really love. I'm, I think that's it. I'm, I'm Googling, I'm YouTubing. <laughs> Go wise myself. She cool. sounds um, amazing. I want to tell you a bit of a story, um, which I might have told you before, but I'm going to retell it to you um, uh, anyway, about my mom and sort of my childhood, which is full of all, all the wonderful kind of like contradictions and, and loveliness that I'm sure anyone uh, has in theirs. But, um, you know, I was raised vegan uh, and I was also raised um, Catholic, which sort of was quite interesting for two reasons. One, my dad's Muslim, um, fine, whatever. But two, my mom's like incredibly radical as well. So she would take us to church every Sunday. We went to religious schools and she'd do crazy shit like she would. Just... <laughs> it's so bizarre thing about it. She would take, or steal in fact, um, like a little sort of hymn book from the church and then gender neutralize all of the terms <laughs> in the hymn book. But that, that wasn't actually the worst of it. The worst for me as like a, a sort of young kid was um, coming home from school, being told that I could make my first solar communion, which is where you basically get to go and receive the bread and the wine and everything. I thought it was really exciting. And my mom told me no, which I thought was just really strange because she was so like devout. And the reason she said no was because we were vegetarian or vegan and she truly believed that the bread and the wine was turned into the body and blood of christ and wow. it would make us cannibals like which is just the most batshit crazy thing you've ever heard but my question there is a question here is put yourself in my shoes like what's your reaction what's sort of like little Eamon's reaction well a little Eamon would be devastated because the ceremony of the thing yeah. is the reason why you go right like exactly. she's literally telling you you can't in you know be in the one good thing and when they tell you that it's the wine i mean as a child it's like this is free booze yeah. that i'm allowed to do in the house of god like i mean <laughs> so i i would react like that but adult Eamon thinks that that is just the most wonderful thing because there's a real line of belief in there yeah you know, like there's no she was consistent i mean well i mean if they told i mean she's really enacting on what they tell you it is and yeah. so of course i mean it makes sense to me you know and why would you let your child be a cannibal she she yeah don't she, in, 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 exactly i mean weekly she, by the way we <laughs> the, the, the strange thing is that on the one hand i can kind of like understand like the sort of warped logic of sure. not wanting me and my sister to be cannibals but she was very comfortable to be in a hall of hundreds of cannibals every Sunday um, and somehow managed to reconcile that and it was completely fine, which I, is... Well, I think that your mother knew what Sartre knew, you know, hell is other people. You know? <laughs> so as long as you're on the good path, incredibly <laughs> perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been so lovely to hear you talk about your mum. I do sort of want to kind of get a sense of... Um, Perhaps some of the sort of the, the, in your memory anyway, those kind of like moments of mischief mm -hmm. or moments of levity, because you sort of intimated a little bit that she was a mischievous and maybe you were a bit mischievous as well. Like, what are the, what are the stories that sort of stick out where um, you've either really pissed her off or, or she's just sort of like been a bit kind of, you know, naughty? Um, uh, you're right. She was mischievous. But I, I remember she was a wonderful, my friends from high school remember my house uh, on the Gold Coast as the house that we were allowed to come and party at. So my mum was very good wow. at, at letting us, my friends, all come over and we would 
put mattresses up the top floor and we would party all night and we would, you know, maybe drink and people would just crash out and all that stuff. She was very good. I mean, my mum liked to drink as well. So, yeah. you know, she probably, at the start, it was probably an excuse for her to pop down the road to her mate's place and have a party as well. Fair but there was one specific night where I'm, I, I, I'm, I shudder to think how late it was and how loud it was, but we were all sort of having our 16-year-old mess of a party and I was on the back porch uh, probably smoking, trying to, and, and spraying deodorant on ourselves so we, no one could tell that we'd been smoking. Yeah. We were very drunk and suddenly there was this commotion from inside and all my friends, there, a couple of my friends would come out and be like, I am and I think your mum is here. And I was like, what are you talking about? And so I walked inside. My mother, I think she'd probably gone to bed probably after a few wines and she just had enough. And so she walked, had walked up the stairs wearing a white t-shirt and nothing else. And she made her way through the whole party just being like, oh, hi, what's your name? This is my house. And there is not a better way to clear the party than your half old mother just casually walking through the party, just wanting to be involved. And then also throwing a bit of like, well, it's very loud. (laughs) The party, you know, obviously ended too sweet and everyone was done. I mean, it was within 15 seconds. Don't show them anger, show them everything else. Show them literally (laughs) everything else. Oh my God. Like that is, that's such a sick move. Like we have to coin, that has to become a verb. Be careful. (laughs) <laughs> what would you? I don't know what the have verb you, is. Have you tried? No, I've never. No, I've never. But I'm I'm keeping it in my back pocket. Yeah. If I ever need to, just I've been at a few parties where people have tried that. But I don't think their their goal was to end the party. I think their goal was to keep the party going. But do you know what? What a wonderful way to do it. What a wonderful way not to betray this kind of like um, fun uh, sort of depiction of her. Sure, but there's also an anarchic element of like, I've ha- fucking had enough of this shit and this is me and this and this is what you get if you wake up a f- late 40-year-old woman, you know, from her sleep and get the fuck out of my house, you know. <laughs> uh, that story has survived countless retellings in my friendship group and it's a good one. I absolutely love that. Um, now, my uh, mum as you know, sends me a regular voice note. Mm. Uh, it's every Friday, um, and it's usually between one thirty and 2.30 p.m. Why? And I, I do, do you know what? I, Is that lunch break? She doesn't have, like, a routine. Uh. So, but I think I think it's just a force of habit, like, the time. But, like, why does she send it to me, like, on a Friday or, mm. or at all? Um, do, I, do you know what? I, I will ask her because I genuinely don't know. But it is regular, like, clockwork. And it's such a wonderful kind of like affirmation. Um, but of recently in particular, she's been sort of um, s- sending me these, it's almost like she's trying to sort of like mentally manifest like a good like outcome or, or kind of life or day even uh, for me. I'm just going to play um, the most recent one, but I don't know if I sent it to you before. I- I'd love to sort of get your kind of like reaction. Um, and-, and also, what would you sort of say back to her? Let me just play it again. Hi. How are you today? Hello to you, Sue. Hello to Lemon. Oh. Hello to Lemon. Hello to Adam. Notice that it went Yuzu, <laughs> Lemon, the cat, and then Adam, my fiance. But anyway. Everyone, an extra hugs for you. Enjoy your weekend and I will see you tomorrow. Oh, it was so lovely. Okay, I will stop talking. <laughs> Paul, I love you. Thank you for making me laugh. Literally didn't do anything. 
Like she made herself laugh, but she's credited me, which is which is nice. I love you. You are so special. You are so loved, and you matter. And I know you love me too. Bye. That's just that's just stunning, isn't it? It's so beautiful, isn't it? I mean, I understand the mentalness of it, and I appreciate the mentalness of it. I just think it's so incredible to have a mother or a person just be tell you exactly what you are and yeah. see you and tell you that you matter and yeah. even if you know she makes herself laugh but that's an like through you the manifestation of what is you makes her laugh and that is part of her I just think that's the most amazing thing to get I mean my experience with my mother would be, I would never hear that concisely. I mean, I think all mothers obviously would want to say that, but how special to have someone say that to your face. She would, she would absolutely love you. And if I told her that I, and I will tell her that I'm uh, kind of recording this with you, uh, she, you will be added to the list of Yuzu, Lemon, Adam, <laughs> Eamon. But what would be interesting is to see which order um, you come in. I think you uh, might actually come first. I'm a competitive person, so I'm counting <laughs> for above Lemon, definitely above Adam. It is, sure. it is, it is nice. It's sort of like a little, um, like a little uh, like mood and confidence booster every Friday, every it, week. But also, yeah, totally. And it, it's so, it, it's so funny in uh, to think about the ways that we express what we feel about people. I mean, I think we we we're very good at telling each other how we feel about each other. But I think for for and your mother has always been ahead of her generation but it, it, there is definite generational shifts in how people communicate obviously that's a that's a thing just that's an obvious thing to say but it does remind me i like the ceremony of mm. the call because it that ceremony itself means a lot it reminds me a lot of uh my mother used to, i was born at 1 11 p.m wow. on my birthday and every year my mum would call me at 1 11 p.m and she would sing happy birthday yeah. And then immediately demand that I say happy birthday to her because <laughs> she, she went through all that shit. And so it wasn't just a celebration of me. And this is exactly what you were saying. I think it's not exactly a celebration of me, but well, it was, but equal parts. It was a celebration of like, I went through that. And so fucking thank me. And this is our moment to celebrate that we made it through the shit together. Uh, I think it's wonderful. Oh my God. The fact that you had to say happy birthday back to her. But it's so it's special. Cool. And may they never stop, you know? Oh God. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I like it. It, it, it'll, it, it will continue to be um, absolutely amazing. Um, final question for me, Eamon, before we wrap up. Mm. Um, I would love to, um, I, I, I sort of love to know um, if it's not too personal a question, like if, if, your mom knew you were doing this like what would be her kind of reaction because in in some respects what i've heard you say is is a little bit like a, a love letter to this wonderful brave vulnerable very strong very kind of like a meaningful woman clearly um in your life and i suspect most people would sort of just like be shrouded in in kind of like adulation and love because of that um it's just been wonderful to hear you talk about your mum. What would she kind of like feel hearing you talk like that? I think that she would balk at it. I think that she would not enjoy it. I mean, outwardly not enjoy it. But of course, I think one thing I learned from my mother is 
the importance of memory and the documentation of your life because I after she died I went to she to her house to you know sort out all her stuff and she did this both for my younger brother and me but she I found this uh, book that we were sort of aware of throughout our lives but we sort of you know we didn't give a shit about it but there was this book that she'd made called Amen and it was this uh, huge sort of two hundred page thing and it went through from pre-pregnancy and she wrote in it every couple of weeks right up until I was about 16. And it is such, I mean, you know, she, she, she included the mundane, the mental, the fights, the, the trauma that she included a lot of that sort of stuff, but, and it, and it petered off towards the end because, you know, like I became a teenager and she just thought you'll be fine. But it's an amazing thing to have now. And it's one of the only things that I have that when I have those questions about, well, I found out things like that she was, you know, from the age of two, I was allergic to dairy. And then I sort of read that and go, oh, that's right. I'm allergic to dairy and I still haven't given up. But that's right. It's been like a constant thing. So I think that kind of commitment that she had to, and foresight, I think that she had to sort of give that to me, that gift of telling me what life was like before I probably had a memory of it is a very important thing. It's something that I take through that the, and so to, to answer your question, I think this kind of thing, this, what you're doing here with the podcast, I think it's just another way of recording orally uh, our stories and who we are and who she was and who we are. And I think that that was really important to her. So I think that ultimately she'd be chuffed with that. Oh, Eamon, you've been an absolute star. And thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Sharing all of those wonderful memories. This is a wonderful thing to do. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap. Oh, thank you, babe. Of course. Oh, I'll give you a big hug. You're wonderful. This is so great. I'm so proud. Thank you for being so wonderful. Oh, no, it's wonderful. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. It's so nice to talk about your mum, you know. <laughs> and, your- and your mum. Wow. <laughs> What a yeah. wonderful woman you're lying with. Listen, you're just from fresh I Can you do an intro? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So, like, do you, do you ask? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. And it'll ramp up into a place where she's dead and then we're in. <laughs> it's like, who's this guy? What a wonderful way to start it. Of course. Thank you. Thank do you want me to be here for the intro or? I think you should be, yeah. Yeah, sure. If that's all right. I'm not going to take. Do it. Just gonna hydrate. No, of course. I'm I'm halfway. I'm actually halfway. Fucking up. How how long are you doing this more today? Like, are you doing more? Okay, so you're gonna get through the whole thing. I'm gonna get through the whole thing um, by the evening, and then like reverse the effect. <laughs> I love it's great, but excess amounts. It's okay. Like... It's okay. So I'm joined today by Eamon Farron a wonderful human being who I know through two good Aussie friends of mine who introduced me to Eamon when they lived in London. Eamon has been just a wonderful figure in mine and my partner's life. And I've gotten to know him really, really well, especially over the last two years. Um, And that's kind of why I wanted to talk to Eamon today, because some of the stuff that he shared about the way he grew up, um, his memories, um, and obviously his mum, uh, just really wonderful uh, and really vulnerable. And Eamon, thank you for joining the show. It's a pleasure to be here. 
We are on social media. How exciting. You can find us on Instagram at My Mum Made Me Pod. You'll get us on Facebook at My Mum Made Me, Twitter at Mum Made Me, and even TikTok at My Mum Made Me. Why follow us on socials? Well, you're going to get extra bits from the show. You're going to be able to see our guests on video and, of course, watch their reactions to my mum's lovely and sometimes a little bit weird voice notes. So give us a like and a follow.